Hello, this is co-host Robert. What you're listening to is a rebroadcast of a classic Forgot My Dice episode that originally aired on the Freebooters Network. As always, this content is a year old and covers topics and news that have long since happened, but feel free to check out the show notes on ForgotMyDice.com, join our Patreon, and join us in the Forgot My Dice fans Facebook group. Enjoy the show. Countdown for blast off. X minus five, four, three, two, X minus one, fire. Welcome to another episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Edwards, and with me, of course, the bard to my barbarian, Mr. Robert Lundgren. How are you? Hello, hello. The bard to my barbarian. Are we just going alphabetical down the things? Is it going to be the the cleric to my druid next next week? No, I just imagine you riding into battle on a cute little pony. I typically play gnomes, so that is probably what will happen. (laughs) I called it. (laughs) Typically, it's actually a riding dog that I imagine in my head being the dog from Up. There you go. Uh, that is my D and D character. So halfway, halfway through combat, <laughs> does it scream out squirrel? Squirrel! And completely leave combat. <laughs> hi, I, I hi there. <laughs> We're going to ride into combat and impale a whole bunch of gobs. Squirrel! <laughs> God damn! You just broke it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's go ahead and get started with some announcements. And of course, this episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast was brought to you by, and I finally get to say this, Robert. Our patrons. Plural. More than one. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, our slow crawl to world domination begins with $7. Well, a quick shout out to Brendan and James, our new patrons, and Scott, our existing patron. There will come a day, of course, when we won't be able to get through all of them in a single episode, and that'll be awesome. Yeah, that'll be fun. Because that's how we keep the lights on. And another thing, if you are hearing this, then the contest is over unless somebody manages to sneak in before we get this one published well we're recording it and i'm on the twitter saying your time is running out because we recorded this beast tonight which means it'll come out next week in the future present or whatever i don't know but yes if you're hearing this the contest is over if you saw me on the twitter talking about how the contest is almost over because we said we recorded this then you probably have a week but then you're hearing I'm confused. Anyway, so... So next episode in episode 21, we will, of course, do a random roll to figure out who gets the prize. So right now, your odds are pretty good. They're one in four, but if you managed to sneak in before this episode came out, then you're in good shape. They're one in three right now for our three ones, but if Ah. you sneak in, that goes to one in four. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Alrighty, so let's go ahead and get started with the episode, and today we're going to start off, of course, with Off the Shelf, our our bi-weekly segment where we talk about all the fun stuff that we've managed to get off of our shelves and into our gaming and geekly goodness. So uh, why don't we go ahead and get started with some media today, Robert? What, what have you been watching? What have you been uh, consuming? My, my, my week has been smart, or my two weeks have been so pathetic. We could probably just bounce me out in like five seconds. Hit it. All right. I, I watched the Flash and the Supergirl season finales. Flash was a little annoying. Barry's been a little annoying this season. Hopefully next season is better. Uh, Supergirl was fun, though. I like Supergirl this quite a bit. season three for Flash, isn't it? Yes. Arrow went through the same thing. It went through this huge dip in quality in season three. I wouldn't say it was as bad as that, but it was just kind of like, eh. It wasn't their best season, but it was, I don't think it sank to the lows of the post-Deathstroke uh, season of Arrow. 
Yeah, that was a rough one. That was a rough one. Yeah, that was a rough, that one. Was a rough one. That is one of four. All right, so this is two of four. I got some physical D&D books. Look at that. Forgotten Realms. From DriveThruRPG. So this is the book I bought. This was the print on demand. And this is the last second edition Forgotten Realms book that was ever made, Cloak and Dagger. Uh, the book that I got print on demand was Calimport. And I b- brought this for a contrast because they're kind of the same art design and, and layout and such. I like this texture that they have on the cover. It's a nice yeah, cover. But feel, feel the other one. It, it's close. Yeah. Yeah. yeah this is close. So yeah, yeah, no, they did a good job, and it's it's kind of hard to tell. I found a few kind of flipping through it. I found a few I like love, I'm just kind of paging through it. I love the totally '90s graphic design. Oh yeah, the inside. two columns, two columns, block text, black and white. Yeah, yeah, just, huge, huge headers absorbing tons of space. Yep, 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 yep. So yeah, flip through the other book. It, it's it's not all that different. It's kind of crazy. No, they really did a good job. They yeah, really they do. Captured the spirit. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's just a high quality scan. And like I said, I was going through the book, and there's a few little points where it's like, you know, oh, there's a little crimp here or something didn't scan quite right. But yeah, no, I was really impressed. So yes, thus far, my experiment with uh, second edition product reprinted on Drive Through RPG is thumbs up. I'm a big fan of Drive Through RPG. I think they do really fine work. I've, I've ordered quite a few books from them, and they're they're great. Yeah, yeah, and like I said, these reprints actually surprised me, because it's, it's hard to tell the difference. Yeah, no, they look great. They look great. So, my third of four things is, I got my Reaper Bones in. Is there a place where we could dump this out safely? No. No? Okay. This is Malakar. Wow. Okay, this is literally the biggest model I've ever seen. Or as uh, as we call her on the internet, Tianot. <laughs> so what I've done, just sort of hand assembled the main body and the five necks and the heads, and I'm handing it to Jonathan. I mean, this thing is impressive. This is, first of all, <laughs> and the heads fall off. Yeah. Not glued together yet, but yeah. there you go. Needs a little bit of glue. So it should be said, and Robert, I think you should po- definitely post some pictures on the, on the website, that I think this is the single la- largest plastic model I've ever held. It is gigantic. It's easily a foot long with the tail. The wingspan... I think it's 15 inches, if I remember what I saw on the internet correctly. Oh, yeah. Tall, tall. The wingspan is gigantic as well. It seems like a foot wide. It's solid plastic, too. It's uh, bonesium plastic or whatever they call it. Yeah, yeah, no, it's... uh, We call it Tianot on the internet because, you know, a five-headed dragon that has one of the heads of each of the chromatic dragon types is copyrighted by Wizards of the Coast. And if you repeated that, you would get in trouble. So that's totally not Tiamat. That is totally Ma- Mala Drakkar, whatever her name is. His name is the five-headed dragon, which when they painted it, they painted it just kind of weird in rainbow colors, which is funny. But yeah, no, I'm totally painting it like Tiamat. Totally going to paint it like Tiamat or, or uh, Takasis or whatever you want to call her. Here are the heads. Here are the heads. <laughs> oh, yeah. head down. Head down. Yeah, I need to glue her together, but I need to clean her first, and I haven't had the time to do that. And the reason I haven't had time to do that, and this is the thing that's mainly been eating up most of my time, is... So, gentle listener, you may listen to us every twice a month or however much you listen to us. And what you may not understand is the man sitting across from me that I'm looking deeply into his eyes right now. He and his wife, Jessica, are saints. They took our children, all three of them, and watched them for 30 hours, which I felt a little guilty about asking for that much. But that's kind of what I needed. And me and the wife got away for one day. We drove about three hours away. Getting there actually took five hours because we got lost, which was fun. But we we got to stay a night away from the kids 
and we talked to adults and we did nothing. And that was the fun part. I've, I, I, my parents used to do these vacations where they would do nothing. You know, they'd go just like sit by the pool yeah. or whatever. And I was like, why do you do this? This is so boring. And then it's like, you become I, an adult and you realize exactly why it's amazing. It's, you have no responsibilities. Yeah. You have no children hanging off of you. You don't oh, have, no, it's glorious. You can't think about all you can think about is nothing. And doing that nothing is exquisite. When Jessica and I went on our honeymoon, we often commented on how nice it was to not have a schedule, to not have to get up for anything, to just exist. Yeah. And I existed by the pool and the sun, my mortal enemy, who I thought was hidden well behind clouds, oh, still no, managed that, it to scorch it worse. me. That makes it worse. I, it's still That's what managed to you. Yeah. So, oh, not, see, here's the thing. Here's the thing for my youth. I, when I was a child, went to like a summer camp, which was like basically summer daycare for parents that were working. And we went to the beach once and it was overcast. Actually, twice. We went to it twice. And I put on sunscreen because I am a nerdy white person and I just fry. And I would put on sunscreen, even though it was cloudy, and they would all pick on me because I was a nerd at the time, no, and that was not that cool. Was and I was right like, no, you could do. still get sunburned. And they're like, well, I don't get sunburned. And it's like, I, I have brown hair, but it's very red. So I, I have that, that like... Dude, overcast? It's like rolling plus two on, on uh, UV. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you want to know what? You want to know what? I went there and I listened to that. And I'm like, well, I won't do it now because, you know, I didn't... And then I got sunburned. And I was right this whole time. So, you know, cast my anger and, and rage at this summer camp back uh, 18 years or whatever it is. Oh, God, it's more like 25. Oh, that's frightening. Anyway, cast that back in time. I was right, all of you. I was right, you counselor. YMCA, I was right. Do you remember any of their names? Do you want to call them out? I don't remember any of their names. I can I can imagine them. There were two counselors. There was a guy and a girl, and the guy had, had he said the most profound thing I've ever heard in my life. And it was this. He looked at all of us in the bus on our way to a mall or whatever we were doing that day. And he looked at us and he said, you'll know when you're old, when you walk into the record shop and all the music you listened to, used to listen to as a kid is in the bargain bin. And now I'm in the future and there is no bargain bin. Because there are- there's no record shop. <laughs> <laughs> and I know I'm old. Man, if he could go back, he'd take state. <laughs> So anyway, yes, thank you, Jonathan and Jessica, You're for welcome. watching our children. That was amazing. And, and funny thing is they were total opposites. The the one that's usually happy of the twins was a miserable, insufferable, just unhappy child. And then that <laughs> the one that's usually miserable and insufferable and unhappy was totally just he was grinning the whole damn time. Yeah, yeah. Well, we started calling him Smiles instead of Miles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, a, he's a great kid. He's a great kid. So anyway. They're both. They're all great kids. All three of them are Yeah, great yeah. Kids. And Eowyn was just playing and doing her own thing. And, and generally, no, yeah, no, she, what and, she is amazing at, which is... She and Sophia just played the entire time. Yeah. They yeah. were just homies. Yeah. They were hanging out. But anyway, okay. So everybody, everybody out there in, in podcasting land, I want you to slowly rise up with me and give Jonathan Jessica the standing golf clap. Here we go. Unless you're driving, in which case... Yeah, if you're driving, pull, pull over. over yeah, yeah, okay. So here we go. And there's the slow stand. This is almost officially as awkward as, uh, what the hell's his name? It's almost as awkward as when Shia LaBeouf, the slow clap at the end of the uh, Shia Actual LaBeouf cannibal, music. Shia LaBeouf. Cannibal, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, I get to put that in the show notes. How fun. There you go. All right. All right, Jonathan, take us away with all your stuff, because that, <laughs> that, was, that work, was the end of mine. That might be a working show title, a title right now. <laughs> Actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> Actual cannibal Shia LaBeouf. You look around. He's nowhere to be seen. There's a cabin in front of you. <laughs> I may have watched that a few times. What? You? <laughs> no, surely not. 
Man, I have had a bunch of stuff. I mean, what, what machine gun the stuff that we've already talked about? My coworker and I continue our long-term playing of Can't Stop on our lunch breaks. I am now plus 15. He cannot seem to catch a break on that game. I don't understand it. He has no luck. You win everything. I went 16 rolls in a row with combinations that I could work with. It was disgusting. Even I finally put a stop to it by hitting the stop button, and I looked over at him and I said, I'm so sorry. I don't understand how this happened. You win everything. I understand. But you've beaten me. See, you say that, but you've beaten me. You you beat me at Lords of Water. That is the the exception that proves the rule. You beat me at Scythe. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. I don't think I'd beat you again, because you know what you're doing. I fell into that game. I I used my superpowers to like feel out that game and understand it intuitively. Well, see, you I, on the I was playing a faction I'd never played before, so I wasn't sure how they were working. That's see, see, and me, I just like use my brain powers to sort of I instantly a, understand I, it. I have a tactical mind. That's why no? I like you know. That's why I like board games. That's why I like uh, I've, I've gotten so into miniatures games. I like the tactics. I like the anyway. I'm just saying, you always win. Can't stop. Did you beat him at Star Realms, too? That's next on your list. No, no, no. Star Realms, I play online uh, a lot. And the Colony Wars things kind of revitalize me. Uh, it takes a little bit longer to play through a game just because there's some more animation. But I think overall, it's just a much smoother experience. So I, th- I really kind of like it. Well, if it's on your tablet, of course it'd be smooth. It's underneath the glass. <laughs> <laughs> I can almost hear you hitting the delete key on that terrible joke right now. But your brain came to a stop like a record scratch. Now I got to keep that in. You, you didn't even know what to say to me. You looked at me like... How do you address stupid? How do you address stupid? You just don't. You just let it wash over you. You shake it off and then you go on with your day. Like uh, a dog. You shake it off like a dog. Words of rebellion. What did I mean by that? <laughs> I know what it was. So, so for, just for... To, to, for an idea of how exhausted I am right now after a weekend with Robert's children, I wrote down Lords of Rebellion. What I meant was I played some more Lords of Waterdeep, and then I played some Star Wars Rebellion. Wow. Yes. Wow, I you were solid as the two. All together nice. One. Nice. Which that's would be that's double plus good game. speak right there, sir. Yeah. So, yes, uh, a lot more Lords of Waterdeep, which uh, continues to be fun. Uh, I mean, the app just makes it so fast, you know? It's it's just it's a pleasure to play. I've been playing with a couple friends of mine online, and it's been a lot of fun. I should download that app and get in on that. Uh, yeah, you totally should. It's really good. Okay. I might I might be blowing my video game budget tomorrow because Eowyn watched a video of Goat Simulator, and she kind of wants that game because that game was, like, made for her because it's just weird randomness. It is, but it's just it, uh, it's just got no legs. I mean, she's the goat's got legs, but, but the game she's does. a five-year-old. She won't care. She'll probably Good start point. making up stories about stuff going Good on. Point. My kids all love Goat, goat Simulator. They think it's hysterical. Yeah, so it was free on the Xbox for a while. Yeah, it's it's ten bucks right now. I'm hoping it'll be on sale on the PlayStation tomorrow. Yeah, so I uh, I picked up a couple of uh, the Spirit of Rebellion packs. Actually, an entire case, but let's not go there. Yeah, now that I've managed to get into it and start uh, working it into some of my deck ideas, I've, I've been experimenting around a little bit with it, and it's it's fun. Uh, there's a couple of cards that I have some concerns with. I think that um, I, I haven't had a chance to look at the errata yet. I suspect they've probably been plugged in the errata, but overall I'm really genuinely happy with it. Rebellion continues to have that production issue where there's just not enough of it Don't around. you mean Destiny? Well, yeah, it, uh, but specifically the Spirit of Rebellion. The Spirit of Rebellion. Oh, the expand because there's that Star Wars yeah. Rebellion. Okay. I'm- well, okay. So there's a couple. Uh, there's a couple key issues here that FFG really needs to plug, and this really is a pity because the game is just so damn good. It's really, it's genuinely good. It's super fun. It's really easy to learn, and it's very quick to play. Those are th- just the trifecta of really good ideas, right? Mm-hmm. But the problem is there's no product on the shelves. 
So you can't really start a community if you can't drag new people into it. And the, the biggest sin of all, not just the expansions that are hard to find or impossible to find, I might say, but it's the starter packs. Let's say I managed to convince a friend of mine to play it with me and then they're really interested in it. I can't take them down to the game store and say, okay, get this starter pack and maybe like a couple boosters and you're good to go because I can't even get in the starter pack. And that's that's rough. That's a really bad place to be in. Yeah. Especially with a game this young. So I'm really hoping that they, they get these production issues under control. I, I'm I'm thinking it's all part of the plan, man. They don't want to have stuff sitting in the warehouse uh, when the license expires. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're they're pretty <sighs> aggressive about not having back stock. I mean, yeah. they let something sell through before they reprint it. That's always been fantasy flight. But but here we're we're dealing with something brand new. And yeah. and they've even said we're printing this at much higher quantities than we generally do and it's still not enough. So I and and when it, they do reprint it it takes forever. So there's there's two things that are well, happening. Well, there's dice. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it's a problem. I, I, I know what they're doing. I understand what they're doing. But, yeah, I think Fantasy Flight maybe is, is in a realm they're not really ready to deal oh, with. Oh, no, because nothing else that they they do is like Well, this. nothing Every, else is a collectible. You'd yeah, be, everything collectible else is, are, is LCG, which there's is... There's a reason why so many stupid companies went almost under because they tried to make a collectible game. DSR, Dragon Dice, and Spellfire really wrecked them. Uh, Chaosium almost went under from their Call of Cthulhu game. There's a ton of companies that almost went under. The irony of the whole thing is yeah. that they nailed it. The game is fantastic yeah no. it's, it's amazing yeah so. so here's here's hoping that they can pull that out because i mean honestly i cannot say enough things nice things about that game the game is phenomenal i love it if you see a starter grab it it's super fun to play so tell me about outlive i've never heard of this one or maybe i haven't i'm not remembering it i'm still a little fuzzy from the weekend so i got a copy of one of the kickstarters that i backed last year called outlive and it's basically uh, a survival game a post-apocalyptic survival game where you each play as a clan and you're trying to keep your base alive by getting supplies etc so how, it's, it's, how sad does this involve zombies no how sad is it that i thought this involves zombies just by looking at it <laughs> <laughs> no not at all it's closer that's to, good that plus one awesomeness yeah it's, it's it's more actually it gives me a fallout vibe that's good i i'm a little i'm a little tired of zombies so yeah. I'm, I'm glad they did that and oh um, my god this jenga puzzle on the inside is crazy yeah so each of those uh boxes on the bottom by the way has these really nice resource tokens in it they're all it's kind of like the side of resources wow this is a deluxe version it's not just the standard version that comes out but it gives you a really nice idea of what they're going for in the game and it's beautiful uh, great art the rule set that is included is it's got a couple little weird wording things, but apparently they have released a second set of the rules online. So I need to go uh, go grab them and read them. But I really like what I'm reading so far. I think the, the rule set is great. And I, I think I'm actually going to promote this one to we need to talk about it on the show and do a deep dive. So I'm going to stop my conversation there. <laughs> That was my record scratch. I mean, take a look at the production value, though. I mean, no, I, I was I was flipping through. It. I'm I don't want to go into it too far because then I'll have to edit a bunch of stuff out, and I'm lazy. But yes, yeah, yeah no. If you want, if you want to deep, great. if you want to deep dive it, I'll deep dive it. All right, fair enough. Beyond that, I did manage to get a bit of uh, Zombicide Black Plague in. I uh, had an afternoon alone; nobody was around, so I just took out Black Plague and played some single player and had a great time. I've been reading a lot about Eighth Edition Warhammer. Um, I really like the new starter set. All the stuff that's come out about it just looks amazing. I've never, ever, ever been into Space Marines, but I have to tell you, yeah, yeah. They- part of my part of my my, my grudge versus them because I was always Tyranid player or an Eldar player. I, I hated the way they looked. Yeah, but these new ones, the are new so ones are so good. sweet, so functional. So- I mean, it, they look fantastic I, what i always hated and I, I showed you this video i always thought that the dreadnoughts ran around like those robots and silent running which i will link that video in the show notes because they they had these little dumb legs 
Have you seen the size comparison to yeah, the old no, one? They're great. They're giant. Yeah, they're fantastic. That's what a dreadnought should be. A dreadnought to me says big, and the old one wasn't big. It was like two. And they have that that new hover tank, which is uh, <laughs> which we were talking about yeah. that on the Facebook group, and I was I thought it looked like the Star Speeder three thousand from Star Tours. Oh, but it does. It does. I actually like that comment because that was pretty funny. It does have that. Kind it's of like same it's shape. like guys, we got all this surplus equipment. Yeah. from Star Tours, put a gun on the top of it. No, but it looks cool. It yeah. Looks yeah. Oh cool. yeah. No, it's a good but, shape. But most importantly, what what I, what I love about this new design and what really impresses the heck out of me is that they're distinctly space marines they are not that far removed from the previous design iteration but the changes that they've made are subtle and functional yeah it's the anatomy of them because um yeah just their old build before i watched some videos somebody made or something and yeah they they ran around like lego guys yeah because that's functionally how they'd have to run around just based off their own proportions and these these ones look like dudes in big armor man the new sculpts for that new starter set are phenomenal i know they look so good so yeah no i i i didn't think it could happen i didn't think i could look at space marine models and go like wow that looks really pretty because i i have such a, a grudgingly hatred in my heart for them from all those games i lost versus all those space marines and now i'm like ooh, space marines look cool it makes me want to get some and then paint them up like a death watch group and play some death watch rpg from yeah. the old fantasy I'm flight down. one but, i'm down yeah, think about it. Think about it. Beyond that, I did manage to pick up the Age of Sigmar skirmish rule set. Mm-hmm. Um, it's nice. It's tidy. Not a lot of fluff, but I didn't expect there to be for for. Yeah, they want you to buy the for. army books for that. I think that's where. Well, most and, of that is. and you know what? Honestly, for the way they have the books structured in Age of Sigmar, that works. It yeah. really, really does. This isn't like Shadow War Armageddon. This isn't like that at all because Shadow War Armageddon is. It's all about the long-term campaign. Yeah, and it's telling a story, and it's like a self-contained game right. almost. This. For Age of Sigmar, really is just a skirmish level rule set. So it's basically paring the game down to a, to a more intimate level of detail. The changes they make to the rules are all about level of scale, and they really make a lot of sense, and they're they're good. So rather than having that long term campaign, what we have here is a very focused skirmish level. It's a, it's a way to play the game in a much smaller investment level. Tell you, what, tell, you what, tell you what, I'm curious. I want to read it. Let's talk about this more when I'm not completely ignorant of it. Okay. I really want to play skirmish game and, and the scar- this is it. This is, this is, and depending really on what models good. they want me to buy for, for my scary, my scary tree spirit elves. Yeah. Uh, and then just kind of finishing up, um, I pre-ordered my copy of wind gambit for scythe. Nice. And I got into handmaid's tale. I'm about uh, halfway through it. It's, uh, mm. I won't go into any parallels that it may be drawing. Suffice it to say that it's a little dark. Never before has that big book been more pertinent than it is now. Yeah, and I'll leave it at that. I, I would encourage everybody to go pick up a copy of it. It's very well written. It's a very interesting uh, writing style. It takes a little bit of getting used to, but once you get used to it, it's very stream of consciousness of the characters, and it's kind of interesting because the, the the way things are structured, it it's very reminiscent of the way people think, or at least the way I think. So it's kind of it, it strikes a chord. It gets it gets under your skin pretty easily. It's it's a it's a, it's a very well written book. I'm really enjoying it. And then finally, I watched Logan, which I'm going to loan to you so that we can have a more in-depth discussion. Yeah, don't talk about it. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll go ahead and bring that up. I've been avoiding spoilers of that movie very specifically. Suffice it to say, I loved it. I think it might be the best comic book movie ever made. Well, that's what we've had off the shelf. Of course, we would love to know what you've had off the shelf. Join our discussion on our Facebook page. Join our discussion on the website. Or, of course, now, if you are a patron, you can join a discussion. Yeah, I I wrote a thing where I talked about the differences between Spikes, Melvins, Vorthoses, Jimmy's, and Timmy's. 
because we they, the the spike comments come up occasionally, which yeah, is which yeah. is pulled from that, which is a, a magic term. So if you if you're not a Patreon and you don't want to read my actual thoughts on that, just just Google Timmy Spike and Johnny and Magic the Gathering, and that, that'll come up. And as always, you can always join the discussion at the forums at thefreebootersnetwork.com. So join our discussion in any one of those awesome ways, and uh, we'd love to hear what you've had off the shelf. Coming up next, some wisdom of crowds. After a short break from our sponsors. And now a quick word from our sponsors, Geek Nation Tours. And man, do they have an amazing tour coming up. This one all about Essen, a tour through Germany. Now, of course, it's all going to culminate in a fantastic couple of days at the Essen Game Show, which, of course, is legendary in and of itself. But before then, you get almost 10 days worth of activity all throughout Germany. You get to go to Munich, and in Munich you're going to get a chance to play Dominion and be joined by Rodney Smith from the Watch It Played YouTube channel. And mind you, the entire time you're in Munich, you're going to be enjoying Oktoberfest, which is legendary in and of itself. You're going to get to see castles that inspired games like Castles of Mad King Ludwig. You're going to get to see all the areas that inspired places like Settlers of Catan. And you're going to get an opportunity to go through many, many German cities, learning all about both the country and all the games that it inspired. And of course, it all culminates with a bunch of days at the Essen Game Show, which is the be-all, end-all of all European gaming. So take a look at GeekNationTours.com for all the information on the Essen Tour. Do you have a tabletop, board game, miniature game, or RPG that you're going to release for retail? Or do you have an upcoming tabletop Kickstarter that you're about to launch? We would love to interview you for a future episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. Send us an email to fmdpodcast2016 at gmail.com to schedule an interview. And now it's time for our Wisdom of Crowds segment, our bi-weekly tabletop news and Kickstarter informational segment. And we're going to start out with a lot of news this week. Yeah, yeah, you're right. The the con season is upon us and the tide is rolling in. Yes, as we turn the corner into June, that, of course, does mark the beginning of we are going to share what we're going to be taking to Gen Con with us season. (laughs) um, Which, in a lot of cases, is just like, hey, this thing's coming to Gen Con, and that's all we know. Let's go ahead and get started. And uh, I am super excited about this first one. Super excited. I am, too, actually, especially with as as steeped in the lore as I'm becoming, because I'm totally sucked into this world I'm just the opposite, but we should talk about what we're talking about before we get too far off, because we do that sometimes, which is really annoying. And that is, of course, the new RPG from Cubicle 7 based on the Age of Sigmar universe, which is awesome. I'm yeah. really stoked about it. Yeah, this. see, I haven't bought any of the lore books yet. I've kind of flipped through a couple that my friends have, but I'm, I'm more interested in, in the bigger picture stuff. And yeah, a role-playing game, that's where you get the big picture stuff. And I'm wondering, are, are they going to have the, the fire eater dwar- or the fire, whatever, the fire cast dwarves? Are they going to have your the Caradon overlords? I mean, what are you going to be able to have this so. weird motley crew of I like the so. Stormcast Eternals with a, you know, a walking tree with, a, you know, all of that stuff so yeah i'll be i'll be curious to see how they work all the fluff from the uh, faction books in uh especially because they they continue that fluff in a lot of interesting ways there's the novels of course mm-hmm. uh there's also the board games so the warhammer quest board games have a continuing storyline that goes on in them it's kind of it's really it, interesting. anyway i am sure 
based off of what we are saying right now, we will be talking about this game. So the Warhammer. Well, Age I, of, I fully plan on picking it up. Yeah, me too. This this will be on my shelf. Yeah. So Warhammer Age of Sigmar, the role playing game, it exists. It is coming, and we know next to nothing else about it. Yeah, I'm we don't sure know the price. We don't know the release date. <laughs> well, uh, we do. We do know the release date. It'll be in 2018. So at least we have a, a year window. Oh, we know so it's not not be even this year. Yeah, it's not even Gen Con. So yeah. All righty. Well, let's go ahead and move on. And next up on the news, another interesting one. And this is something that actually kicked off last year. And that is that GameStop is becoming your FLGS, which is kind of crazy. Question mark, maybe? We'll yeah. see what... It, yeah, so they, they got an exclusive deal with, if I remember correctly, Cryptozoic. Cryptozoic. Yeah, they announced that last year that they would be carrying Cryptozoic games in their stores. And it's kind of interesting because they do have an established footprint pretty much everywhere, so that gives a lot of visibility. Yeah, it's interesting. I've been in I've been in GameStop because there's one by my local grocery store, and yeah, it's surprising. Like most of their wall space is still video games, but their entire floor space now has been eaten up by other things. And so I, I'm I'm wondering like are are they slowly going to shift out of video games? Well, which this isn't at all surprising because oh, the, no. the shift towards digital purchases on video games has been pretty dramatic. In fact, I think. I seem to recall reading a statistic that they're over 50% are now downloaded digitally. I, I don't doubt that. In that, the that. That is a huge jump considering that just three or four years ago it was, uh, you know, almost exclusively physical. And Barnes & Noble, I know, has been slowly shifting towards this. Their their board game well, section was, keeps expanding and also just their, their other stuff. Yeah. Like, and that's, that's the same point I was going to make. You know, they're, they're far from the first retailer to try, to try you know, making that their their business plan. So the, the real question is, when is one of them going to take the plunge and... I know Barnes and Noble, like during tabletop day and stuff, will host sometimes monthly events, but not yeah. not anything like uh, not anything with any regularity. But which one of them is going to actually make the jump and start doing like magic tournaments and weekly? Well, yeah, unfortunately, events? I don't think GameStop can be the one to do it because they just don't have a lot of room. Most of the stores are relatively small. All right. Well, next up is something I found, which was a little interesting. So they put the artificer class which was in unearthed arcana and they put the mystic class aka the psionicist onto the dm's guild with the full permission to start making up whatever you want under the dm's guild guidelines with those two classes and what they say uh these classes they're going to get feedback on them they're going to kind of keep testing them and they want people to make stuff for them and then they will be released eventually in a future product but uh, in the meantime, you know, they're letting the community really run wild with them and seeing what people actually want out of these two classes. And if, you know, because people could release patches, like if one of the classes is just kind of boring in parts, somebody could just revise it and publish it on the DMs Guild or whatever. It's interesting. It's interesting that they put it here first. It's it's almost like, I don't want to call it like a beta test because I, I think we're kind of past that, but maybe it is a beta test or maybe it's kind of like a... I don't know what you'd call it, but it's it. Yeah, you you can right now make up Sinus's stuff and you can make up Artificer stuff in, in the DMs Guild. Sticking to the Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. What else do you have for? Us? Well, over the weekend, they had a, a really big streaming event called the Stream of Annihilation, where they were revealing the future D&D products for this winter. And they were having a lot of celebrities play games and, and whatnot. And, and it, it, it looked like a lot of fun. Unfortunately, I was on vacation, so I didn't watch any of that because we had no Wi-Fi where I was. It was gloriously unconnected. <laughs> but one of the things they revealed two new products that are coming out. Uh, the next D&D storyline is the Tomb of Annihilation, which is a pseudo sequel to the Tomb of Horrors. Um, and the big bad is still the same lich, the lich that it graces the cover of the current DM's guide. Uh, I, I don't even know how to pronounce this. A Sherak? Bless you. Bless you, yes. But this is the adventure. A while ago, we reported that Pendleton Ward was going to be working on a D&D story. This is it. Uh, the guy who created Adventure Time. The gist of it is there is a curse 
Anybody who has been rezzed, you know, raised dead, resurrection, any spell where you have come back from the dead is slowly withering away and dying, and nobody can be resurrected anymore. And zombies are, and undead are coming, and it all ties into the Tomb of Horrors and the Asherik, or however you pronounce that name. Uh, he seems to have something to do with it. And it's set on top of all that in the jungles of Chult, which is their lost world jungle. So there's dinosaurs too. And they hint heavily that there's going to be undead dinosaurs. So we got zombies and dinosaurs and the tomb of horrors all mixed up in a blender and they're going to spit out an adventure about it. So that's something I can get behind. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I like, cause it's, it's a, it's a turn away from that kind of that traditional fantasy thing. And now we're going to go somewhere weird and crazy with dinosaurs and zombies and stuff. So it, it sounds fun. It's going to be levels one to 11. It's going to retail for forty nine ninety five. It comes out September 8th for the pre-release play that are advanced uh, stores with uh, Wizards of the Coast or September 19th everywhere else. And then more D&D news because that wasn't enough. Well, we've been reporting for a while that they're going to have a rules expansion that will come out sometime in November. And that was an educated guess. And we were right. It's going to be called Xanathar's Guide to Everything. It's going to have 25 new class archetypes. Which is huge. Except that's... for wizards because they only get one, which is fine because yeah. wizards already have eight in the well, player's handbook. Yeah, so that's that's... Two more archetypes for each class, basically, except for the wizard. Except for the wizard. So that brings, at a minimum, every class will have four now, because I think the barbarian uh, barbarian, and a couple others only had two, like the ranger. And, and some of these are we've, we've seen before. Right? Uh, actually, they, they kind of imply we've seen all of them before in various Unearthed Arcanas. It's the ones that people most responded to. And they've been reprinting a couple of them as, like, kind of second cracks at it. Uh, they've done another, they did another one, actually, this week. So uh, I would expect those are actually going to be in their final version in that book. But it's going to be, it's got a little bit of everything for everybody. There's going to be the new class archetypes, which is great for players. There's going to be new spells, again, great for players. There's going to be new downtime activities and new traps and new magic items, which are great for, well, the magic items are great for players and GMs. And then the traps and the uh, downtime rules are more of a DM's thing. And yeah, it's a little something for everybody. It's forty nine ninety five, November tenth to the advanced level stores, and twenty first everywhere else. And this, oh, this is my favorite kind of splat book, by the way. Yeah, I mean, yeah, by, by far. I mean, the, the the ones that expand the rules just a little bit and give you more to sink your teeth into. Those are those are by far my favorites. Have you seen the cover for it yet? So, no. So Xanathar is is a character. Hold he, on, I'm going to click. Okay. So anyway, Xanathar is a is a beholder. Uh, he lives in in Skullport underneath Waterdeep. Uh, he's blue. And the oh yeah, there's the ah, picture. Cool. He's looking at that goldfish, right? Apparently, that goldfish is in there. Like it's part of his fluff that he has a pet goldfish and he really likes it. Aww, <laughs> that's what they were hinting at because people kept asking him that questions about the cover. cover. That is a neat cover. Yeah, it's like, uh, is this like a deluxe version? Yeah, they're gonna have a deluxe version as well. Like they had a deluxe version of oh, Volo's Guide to Monsters. Look, it's like a stained glass beholder. That's yeah. adorable. Yeah, it's cute stuff. If you want to take a look at this, um, we're gonna put the link in the show notes, of course. But yeah, this cover's <laughs> really awesome. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm really, I'm especially I'm really looking forward to this book. And and then and Nick, I, I kept telling myself, you know, I don't, I haven't played any of the D and D adventures. I don't need another one, but it's like dinosaurs and undead. I'm kind of, and I always wanted to do something in the jungles of Chult, and now it's like, oh, there's going to be adventure there, and it's a sequel to the Tomb of Horrors. Oh, now, now the next thing that we're going to talk about is something I sent you, still in D and D world. This has caught my attention. This has caught my attention too. One of my most favorite games, Betrayal at House on the Hill, yep. is getting reskinned for the Dungeons and Dragons world. We are getting Betrayal at Baldur's Gate. And that is literally all we know. Yep, pretty we've, much. we've got some pictures of it, but that's about it. Yep. <laughs> and uh, I can tell you, 
If you were not familiar with Betrayal at House on the Hill, it's a really cool, fun, semi-co-op board game. Every time Just you play horror it, movie tropes, the board game. Yeah, yeah. Every time you play it, it's completely different because you lay out tiles as you explore this giant mansion. There's and this, you're basically a Scooby gang. Yeah, and, and there's this giant book of possible scenarios that you can that you can choose from. And it, It's based off of, like, there's certain rooms that have these things called omens, and depending on what omen you find, because that's a random deck of cards, and in what room you find it, that there's a table and it dictates what ending yeah. you find. And and all of the endings are horror movie tropes from like Saw to Jason Voorhees to Dracula and, to giant spiders. And at, at a random point in the game, yep. somebody is going to trigger something in the game that forces someone in your party to become basically a betrayer. And not, not all of them, though. Not all of them. But yeah, good, yeah, and that's what's fun. Good, good that's what's fun. Anyway, it's it's a great board game, and the D and D version, I am I am very fascinated with. Yeah, no, I, I think it's a really good pairing. Well, let's take a trip into the oddities shelf in, <laughs> in the board game world. I don't even begin to know how to approach this game, other than to say that for some reason. There is a Bob Ross game. Now, Bob Ross, of course, the man with the perm who was on PBS with a great painting show. The show is, it, it's, it was, I think it's on Netflix or Hulu. Like, they put all of it on one of the channels. Oh, yeah, the yeah. streaming channels. No, it's I fun to watch. I routinely watch it. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's sublimely chill, which is funny because the game is called Bob Ross Art of Chill Game. <laughs> um, this is the guy you probably have heard people say, oh, we're, we're going to paint some happy little trees. Happy little trees. Happy tre- little trees. You know what the best oh, part I found was? Majestic mountains. Yeah, you know what the best part is? You get to paint happy little trees I and majestic mountains as part of the game I mechanics. Know you do. I'm super excited. So I, I was the one that found this. My Facebook bestie, Simon Berman, uh, he's doing a little rules. Uh, I'm not sure what he's doing with this game, but he was out demoing it and he says he's been working on it. So he was posting all sorts of stuff on his face feed, and I have I have culled quite a bit from his Facebook feed about how this game plays. Uh, it, it is it is pretty impressive. I I I, I don't know. I mean, you're, you're the board game guy. Explain me the board game, Jonathan. It is in fact a game about Bob Ross. It's four players. Plays in about a half hour, which is kind of nice. I, I like a game that's quick and to the point. Each turn, you you roll the Bob die. <laughs> dice. It sounds like there's multiple Bob dice. Yes. So half of the the sides on this six sided Bob die are Bob. If if you roll a Bob, you go up the Bob meter. And if you manage to paint a specific item before Bob the Bob meter gets filled up, you get bonus points. And if you manage to paint it before other players, you get bonus points. So basically, you're racing the other players and an AI Bob. <laughs> a happy little Bob. A happy little Bob. <laughs> happy little trees. They're happy little dice. We're gonna they're gonna go so, up the Bob meter, and you're gonna try to paint ahead of me, and that's okay. Just just do whatever feels right. There, there's another component to the whole thing. When you roll a Bob, you also have to flip a Bob Ross card. And that affects everybody that's playing the game with things like take an extra action or score an extra point for completing parts of the painting containing titanium white, which if you've ever watched that show, you'll know is Bob Ross's favorite thing. <laughs> He's painting. You forgot the other three sides of the Bob dice. The other three sides of the dice are take an extra action, play a card immediately on your palette, or draw an extra art supply card. Each painting has three parts, and to make each part of the painting, you have to have different colors and a tool ranging from two to four colors per item. On your turn, you it looks take- like the tools are like those those brushes he would use. You know, the big fan oh, yeah. brushes yeah. or the or the, yeah. the scraper thing that he would just like. I don't know how yeah, that voodoo he would do, where he just like yeah, I'll put a couple colors on and and then it would just be like, oh I'm my out. god, that's a cloud. How did yeah. he do that? Exactly. <laughs> Every turn you get three actions as as a base action you also of course get to add and remove actions based on different game game effects you get to draw a card from the four face-up available paint tool cards 
and you can draw one off the top of the deck if you don't like what you see. So it's it's basically this is borrowing mechanics from a lot of different places. Yeah, it's it's you, kind you, of a card based like that. That's a very ticket to ride mechanic. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's what it was making me think of. Yeah, okay. it, the store and you can choose a random one if you want. You're basically trying to match just like in Ticket to Ride. That's essentially what you're doing with that component of it. But then it's got the dice mechanic in it as well. Here's something else interesting. You have techniques and you can master a technique by discarding matching tools, which is again straight out of Ticket to Ride. <laughs> I mean, there's no way to put it. This is an odd little game with an odd little theme, but it totally borrows some really good mechanics from some Well, really well and good it's games. like Lords of Waterdeep. Lords of Waterdeep did that too, but when, oh, yeah, yeah. when you got it all Lords together and we're playing it, it doesn't it, have anything original in it whatsoever. Right. It, it, it is a series of borrowed mechanics, but the thing is that they're put together in such a well-balanced, expert way that it's fun. So, so I, there's no reason why this can't work and be awesome. I know. I'm like really hoping this, this game sounds so amazing, and I don't know why, because like on the... But it's Bob Ross! You yes. gotta love it! And, and not only do you get to paint happy little trees, happy little trees. My, my favorite part was on Simon's... Because uh, Simon was announcing he was working on it at the same time, because this is kind of the big public unveiling. Somebody asked him, was like, so is this game... Does it say you can do whatever you want with this game and then have a 40-page rulebook on top of it? (laughs) 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 Or a 40-page tutorial? This game looks amazing. I can't wait to try it. It looks so much fun. Moving right along, a couple of smaller bits of news. These come out of my corner of the world. You're you're talking like I, I don't like Pacific Rim. No, no, I'm talking about board games. Well, there's also an RPG, so ha! All right, well, our little corner of the world. Boom! Uh, Pacific Rim which is awesome, is also coming to board games Pacific Rim 2, very specifically. Yes, Pacific Rim 2. So if you read read the... So you you sent me a link of the story, and I clicked on the link that the story linked to, and this was actually... uh, Pacific Rim was at a trade show, and a whole bunch of companies announced stuff for this. I mean, we're talking like, Pacific Rim 2 is getting all the goodies. They're going to get model kits, they're going to get toys, they're going to get a ton of stuff. So the other thing that was mentioned in it is River Horse, who make the My Little Pony card game, and they did the rules design for a lot of miniatures games, like the Terminator, Terminator Genesis. Terminator Genesis, yeah. Quite, I was on their website. It's quite a few more than that. They will be making games for this. They're going to make an RPG, and they're going to make... Pacific Rim 2 board game. Where it's mechas fighting kaiju. Which, squee? Yeah. Comes to mind? Take my money. And all, all we got is that it will exist, and I'm assuming it'll come out when the movie's coming out. There's going to be an RPG, apparently. There's going to be a board game. We know nothing else about it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's pretty much all that's available. I'm sure we'll see something at Gen Con about this. So yeah, Pacific Rim 2, which is called Pacific Rim Uprising, is expected in early 2018 in February. So uh, we will. I'm, I'm sure we'll be seeing some... Some hints very, very soon, because we're, we're getting into that window for a trailer, which means that they'll, oh, start, showing off, they'll start showing off toys and stuff like that. Yeah. So um, I, I really wouldn't be surprised to see uh, something at Gen Con, just because it is February. Yeah, maybe. We'll see. We'll report on it, nonetheless. Now, lastly... And this this just hit, I think. Yeah, this literally just appeared this afternoon, right before we recorded. Big news, if you're like me and a Big Trouble in Little China fan, because a whole bunch more information is available on the Big Trouble in Little China board game at BigTroubleGame.com. Uh, you can actually go and now pre-order the Big Trouble in Little China Deluxe Edition board game. You can watch their absolutely wretched infomercial, which shows off some really awesome gameplay ideas. I, I'm genuinely interested in the game. I, it, I don't know about you, Robert. You watched it with me. What did you think? I mean, there's a lot of adventure games out there, and I haven't seen one break the mold, and I didn't see anything that made me think they would break the mold, but what I did like is it looks like you're doing something about building dice pools with the, and you have the little things like in Scythe where you, you put them in actually, yeah. and they have yeah. little indentations for you. So I'm liking what I'm 
seeing. I'll definitely give it a try. I'm just hoping that they figure out something new to do with the adventure game field because, and, and given it's modern and it's got probably got kung fu in it, I, there's certainly space for it to evolve. Well, I, I just want to make sure it goes me, there. Uh, watching that video reminded me a lot of the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game because it's it's action based on dice pools. That's what it really reminded me of. The the board looks beautiful. Like yes, the, the art on the board is hot. It looks really, really good. And actually, the the art on the cover, the all the art in general that they show off in this thing looks spot on. It's just awesome. The board is actually double sided. You have Chinatown on one side, and then you have Lopan's lair on the bottom. It appears just based on what we saw that you are fighting and exploring Chinatown up top, and then when you discover the entrance to Lopan's lair, and mind you, this will all be randomized because there's several decks of cards that are affecting um, what your plot points are. Yep. So every time you play through it, it's going to be a completely different set of plot points. So once you discover Lopan's lair, you flip that bad boy over and you start exploring the lair, which is laid out just like it is in the, the movie, and you finally get to fight Lopan and see if you can topple him. We'll, we'll find we'll out, see. We'll because see. I'm, I'm shocked you haven't stopped recording and pre-ordered it yet. Well, I'm actually on the page right now. We're just yeah, don't, don't do that while we're on there. Sliding down. Yeah, don't do it while we're Sliding there. down. You can wait. You can wait. Can't stop, won't stop. We're, uh, we're, uh, we're almost done, sir. We're almost done. YOLO. But yeah, that is The Big Trouble in Little China, the deluxe limited edition. Hopefully it's still available for pre-order by the time this episode comes out. We will have a link in the show notes. Yep. They will be um, they will be sending it to retail. There will be a retail version, but the only way that you can get this deluxe edition is to order it from bigtroublegame.com. It's $99.95 for the, for the deluxe edition, but there's a whole lot of minis and plastic in there. Also, the deluxe edition is the only way to get a six-player count in the game. The base retail game will only support four players, so uh, do keep that in mind if you are interested. That brings us to the end of our news segment, so let's go ahead and take a look at the crowdfunding world. We're going to spend a little less time here than normal just because there was so much news. Mm -hmm. And let's take a look at the first thing here. Torg Eternity is now live. Robert, this is one of yours. So, yes, we talked about this a a couple times now. Uh, the, The Kickstarter is live. And it answered a few of the questions. Like, I was like, are those dice coming back? And the answer is yes. Yes, they are. You can get the swell red and blue D20 speckled thing. And you can even get a D6 now. But the Kickstarter's really, really well done. All of the different zones that they talk... Very cool art. Yeah. Very, very cool art. Yeah, and all of the zones that uh, have invaded the Earth, they're detailed. They have pieces of art for all of them. The the one that really caught my eye for some reason was the the heretical cyber witch who fights the cyber papacy because they don't just have a pope. They have a cyber pope, which is infinitely better. Yeah, it's just... It it looks like a goofy kitchen sink. There's a lot of just fun stuff in there. There's like, you know, they they have samurai with pretty much lightsabers. I like this guy right here, uh, the monster hunter from orosh orosh yes uh he actually totally do you do you remember a video game for the sega genesis called shakan the forever man Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah he kind of looks like a live version of him yeah there you go so yeah it's it just looks like a goofy fun game and it's it's a kitchen sink game it's about alternate realities that are you know just tropes galore invading our world so there's a fantasy realm that's taken over most of england and scandinavia like the nile empire the nile empire has taken over egypt that's kind of the pulp fictiony world so there's magic and punching people in the face and stuff like that and you could also be people from our world who have have survived and everybody has their own abilities and everybody's what they call a storm knight so basically if you're a wizard from the fantasy world and you leave the fantasy world your stuff will stop working because it doesn't work when you leave the fantasy mojo area but if you're a storm knight 
Fortnite, you can kind of carry your reality with you. And so sometimes you can just use your stuff. Sometimes you have to like roll to like kind of like, inf- and it's like, no, my reality, I carry it with me. Urgh! And they have levels where if you get it, you get every Torg supplement ever made in yeah, PDF from the awesome. original game. That is awesome. And look at the size of the number of, of those supplements. Oh, yeah. picture that's uh, like a collage of all the old covers, and there's so many. Yeah, so it, it looks like a great game. I also we- like this. There's, there's special pledge levels for the delphi council cargo box yeah the deluxe edition and yeah it's like a deluxe edition it comes with a hardcover and a bunch of stuff and um it's a, a really nice custom box design this is the game that didn't it, it it has a very similar feel to riffs and riffs in this came out at about the same time and riffs for whatever reason was the one that succeeded and it's not that Torque was bad either. It was just, and it's not that Rifts is bad either, because Savage Rifts and, and Normal Rifts are very cool games. It's just Torque, it, there wasn't room for two of them, and Torque was the one that lost. But Torque deserves some love, and I'm glad we're seeing it on Kickstarter. So go check it out, Torque Eternity. Uh, right they, now, it's yeah, 24 they, days left. They wanted $8,000. Mm-hmm. They got it. And, oh, I don't know, a whole bunch more. Yeah, they're over $200,000 at this point. So it's funded. They're plugging off stretch goals, which is good. So we'll get yep. fun stuff. And, yeah, it looks Basic awesome. Basic pledge level to get the PDF of the rule book is 30 bucks. That's really fair. 50 bucks for the digital uh, deluxe. And that gets you all the original uh, Torg books, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, $50 for the whole Torg library plus the new edition, that's really a fair price. Yeah, and it's 70 bucks to get a print book, which, you know, you get, you get the PDFs and you get all the old PDFs, too. And then... Yeah, and then 120 bucks to get all the the cards and accessories that, that a game master would need. Yeah, that cargo box is 200 bucks. All right. Well, next is something that I brought to the table because I'm totally stoked about it. Last year we got Zombicide Black Plague after a long wait from Cool Mini or Nuts 2015 Kickstarter, and now we are getting the first. Uh, I guess it's akin to season two. This is Zombicide: The Green Horde. So it's Zombicide in the Black Plague universe. It's a standalone game. Or you can use it as a mega expansion for the original game. All the heroes cross over, and there's just a lot of cool stuff here. And the the, the zombies this time around, it's not people undead zombies, it's orc undead zombies and yes, orc necromancers and Which whatnot. is why they're called the Green Horde. And I do like, uh, originally when this Kickstarter came out, all the zombies, the zombie orcs were, were gray, and people kept complaining about it. You're calling the game the Green Horde, so they've actually listened, and they've now switched to a green plastic for all the minis. Nice. Yes, it makes sense. And it's kind of it's the sickly, rotting, pale green. Yeah. I like it. The one thing that it comes with is something that Zombicide Black Plague came with, which are these awesome dashboards for uh, your players. You get to track where you are on the leveling system, what powers you've unlocked. Yeah, that was always the annoying part. Normal Zombicide, those clips would always slide around. This is so much better. This is one of the big things about Black Plague, brought these in. Um, There's even slots that act as your backpack so that you can monitor your inventory and what you have equipped in your hands and stuff. That's cute. Those dashboards are awesome. The Green Horde itself is fantastic. It behaves pretty much like a standard Zombicide Horde. Yeah, yeah, you got the, the normal ones, probably runners, probably yeah, there, big there's, ones. There's normal ones, there's runners, there's fatties, and there's abomination, just like Zombicide. They have the same tropes as the, the original Zombicide, but now that they're orcs, they are much, much tougher. So, uh, for example, a shambler who was only one hit to kill in the original Zombicide and in Black Plague, the orc shambler is two hits to kill. The runners are harder to kill, the abominations are harder to kill, everything is harder to kill. It's, it's like Zombicide advanced, but... The survivors have gotten some new weapons as well. There's actually a catapult, which is made out of plastic in full 3D. And the catapult can go onto the map sometimes and can be, even be moved around. And it has the ability to do massive damage against hordes. And what's interesting about the Zombicide Green Horde is every time you spawn 
using the spawn deck in Green Horde, mm-hmm. if you look down at the bottom, it will show you a number, and that's a number that goes into an off-the-table horde that is slowly building up. And then eventually, in that deck, as you're going through the spawns, you'll hit a card that says spawn the horde. Unleash the horde. Yes, and then basically you take the whole thing off the, the edge of the table where it's been just slowly growing round after round after round, and it pours into the playing environment. And there's a couple other really neat things that are, are coming in, in Green Horde. There's some nice minor rule modifications that really kind of make, make continuing to make Zombicide Black Plague more interesting. One last thing, there's only a single pledge level. It's $120 gets you the game. It's very straightforward. They've had a couple of add-ons, uh, which you can pay for ahead of time or later. That's up to you. But $120 gets you that base game. And it does function alone. You do not need Zombicide Black Plague for this. So uh, do keep that in mind. All right, well, moving on. Finally, our last Kickstarter of the day is another sequel to uh, a game that I'm a big, big fan of, and it's actually from here in Austin. Really fantastic uh, designer. That's probably from a guy we can walk to within a half hour. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. And that's a game from Studio Woe, uh, and that is Gruff. And Gruff is this uh, neat little combat game where each of you play a shepherd. Who's and a goblin. As a shepherd, you have three of the goats. Right, like the Billy Goat's Gruff, which is where it gets his name. Each of the shepherds takes a different side of the bridge, and then you send your battle goats forward to do combat, increasing basically your power as a shepherd and the power of the goats and leveling them up as the game progresses. And when you say goat, you're not saying that they're like mutant goats. Oh, no, I'm definitely saying that they're <laughs> terrible, nightmarish goats. Yeah. No, it's it's a great little game, and the guy lives actually very, very close to us. And uh, he's super nice. He's a super nice guy, yeah. This is actually the, the second expansion to the Gruff universe, and this is Rage of the Trolls, and it looks awesome. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It gets you uh, a bunch of trolls. The trolls are behave very similar to the to the shepherds and the goats in the original game. And there's six new monster goats, 90 ability cards, a troll boss, lots of different mutations. It's just this, a lot of This cool is stuff. the thing I like, because one of the best things about the old world, world of Warcraft card game was they would come out with these raid decks where you would take your normal deck and you would go fight a raid boss that had an AI. And the, the troll boss is that. A player's not necessarily the troll boss from what I saw. Like, the, that is an AI and you are you are playing it versus it. Yes. And so it does shake up the combat because now instead of it being a versus game, you know, like Magic the Gathering or whatnot, now you are working together to fight a common enemy, which is a nice little twist on it on a game. It's fun when yeah. you you're like teaming up with your buddy. Well, it, it actually it gives you basically three different modes cuz you can use these cards to expand your current gruff lineup. You have a single-player game mode, which is in there, just like you said, fighting that AI deck. So you can work with another Shepherd and do a co-op mode against the, the AI troll, which is awesome. 25 bucks gets you the expansion, 45 bucks gets you the expansion, plus a uh, playmat and some extra sliders, which are used to track uh, the different leveling opportunities of the, the Shepherds and the Goats. And then, finally, you can get everything the Gruff Rage of the Trolls, Gruff Clash of the Battle Goats, which is the second expansion, and the original Gruff for 75 bucks. Those are all three really good values, especially considering the high quality of the, of the components. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of the Kickstarters, which brings us to the end of our off-the-shelf segment. As always, we'd love it if you joined our conversation, so go ahead and do that online, and we will be back in a few moments with a deep dive of the different flavor, Robert. Yeah, yeah, we're, uh, we're, we're trying something new. Join us again in a few moments after we get a quick word in from our sponsors. 
We love getting feedback, so please let us know how we're doing by doing one of the following. You can email us at fmdpodcast2016 at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash forgotmydice. We post all our articles there, so feel free to comment. Or you can message us directly via the Facebook Messenger. We also have Facebook comments enabled for all our posts at forgotmydice.com. You can also message us or tweet us on the Twitter. Find us at Forgot My Dice. You can join us on the Freebooter Network message boards. Find your way there by going to freebootersnetwork.com and click on the Freebooters forum. If you like the show, the best way for more people to find out about us is to give the Freebooters Network a review on iTunes. Lastly, for those of you listening from the depths of interstellar space, make sure you turn your controls 18 degrees to the left and flip the intensifier disc on and off again. Interstellar space? Yeah, they listen to podcasts on interocitors. <sighs> Captain, come in! It's a war zone out here! The trolls are about to overrun our position! There's casualties everywhere! No one can have a decent conversation without exploding into flame wars! I understand, sir. The other Mont and I are trying to hold them back, but no matter how many we ban, they just keep coming back in greater numbers! Captain, tell my wife. I... Free Buddhist Forums. A great place to chat with no trolls and no BS. All gaming, all the time. www.freebuddhas.com And we're back, and it's time for our deep dive of the episode, and today we're going to be discussing conventions in general, because it is convention season, so you may be going to your first convention, you may be going to your 50th convention, and either way, there's a couple things that we want you to keep in mind, so uh, let's talk conventions, Robert. You just recently went to ChupacabraCon here in Texas, so what'd you walk away with more than anything else when you came out? First off, I just want to say, we, we got, we're, we're members of the legitimate press right now. I think the image that will be on the website for this will be our press badges, which I'm just super duper proud of. I can't tell you how, how badass it was walking around with like the press. It does feel kind of nice. It, it? I'm the press. <laughs> do and you it, know who I am? Do you know who I am? I will break your game. We must get 15 views on our website a day. <laughs> e- even a small game like a, or even a small con like a Chupacabra I was surprised about how much I missed because I ran into I ran into a bunch of people. We walked in and I ran into John Wick and I completely forgot that a lot of the Delta Green people were there. I completely forgot that the guy who was doing the uh, the Cortex system Kickstarter at yep. the time was yep. there. I missed so much. But that but that's kind of the beauty of it. Like there are there's just so much to do. And I could see how somebody would say out loud, even like, I don't know why you would go to a small convention like that. You know, you can typically play anywhere you want. But here's the trick. You get exposed and you get access. You get access to the people, you know, if they have a good guest list that are, you know, make the games you play, which is it's just fun to meet. Yeah. Meet them. And, you know, and, and when we say access, we're not talking about they're going to be at the front of some table having a discussion about the game for an hour and then disappear. Well, they, they also do that, too. They do do that. Legitimately. Yeah, they, yes. But but these guys actually they roam around the floor. And in the case of Chupacabacon, they're actually running games. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, we, when we ran into John Wick, he had a, a prototype of his 7th C board game there that they're coming out with. 
with. He wanted us to get seven more people together to run it. And I, the problem was everybody I knew who was there, because this was very early on the first day. Yeah. They were, they were deep into very long sessions of board, of uh, role-playing games that they were not going to get out of. And I'm like, oh, I'm not going to be able to pull this off. But I mean, yeah, they're running games. They're doing stuff. They're showing off things. And, and that's what's cool. You get to kind of have the, the early, you know, the early look at a lot of stuff and, and just getting the opportunity to play the 7C, 7C board game. Like that sounded really awesome. I'm kind of mad I, that didn't work out. That's the, just the type of stuff you get exposure to. And then typically also what they have is a vendor's hall. And there are a lot of local vendors. And you also get to see stuff that you just don't normally get and, to see. And it's not always just local vendors. Depending on the size of the convention, uh, a lot of vendors will travel the convention scene during convention season. I know um, in my different trips around even just Texas, I've been to a couple of conventions out of Dallas that have vendors that are from as far away as California. And this is important because a lot of these vendors will bring their stock with them, and their stock is not always what you're going to see at your FLGS or whatnot. For instance, at a convention of Dallas, I was able to get my hands on a copy of the Gears of War board game, which was out of print and very difficult to find. <laughs> so, I, you know, you, you never know what you're going to stumble upon. They had Tabletop Generals there, which is, he just roams around, and he has a lot of used stock, he has a lot of old stock, he had a lot of old Brawl the minis and and uh, he had this really sweet looking uh, resin pirate ship that I'm glad I didn't see it on the second day when I had a big fat you know wad of cash in my in my pocket because I was really thinking about that pirate ship. There was a lot of old stuff. I saw one of the the, the lady who runs the convention. You know she she came back because she's like oh they had this old adventure I've been trying to find and she she bought some stuff. Yeah, you, but you, I mean you but that's find the, some really really niche stuff that, that especially the out of print stuff. That's that's my favorite part about uh, vendor halls. Yeah, and and it's also the stuff that you didn't know that you needed because you know yeah. when you look around stuff on the internet you know you're just going to look at keywords that you think of or what the the algorithm thinks you, that you'll like but you know just being able to paw through things and finding the old the old stuff and you're like wow this is a, this is an old call of cthulhu adventure i've never heard of this and then you know you get to find something new or or you just get to find weird old raw partha minis for like dark sun and just <laughs> the old the old weird minis they had, they had a set there that i was really thinking about getting which was a old cleric set from the original just D and D, the the miniature set was probably made in the late eighties, and I, I was so thinking about it. But it was you know it was one of those things like, do I really need late eighties miniatures in my life? And I I, I kind of did, but I also kind of didn't because they were sort of laughably terrible. <laughs> yeah, but that's half their charm. That is half their charm. Oh, I was I was thinking about it. Don't get me wrong. But I, I mean, on top of that, there's a local role playing game called Tefra, which has had a very interesting history. If you ever want to dive deep into that, uh, their uh, their Wikipedia entry is is interesting to say the least. But it's a steampunk role playing game. It's made by guys. They were playtesting it at the local giant store forever, yeah, um, and just running weekly events of it forever and ever. I know uh, quite a few people. If you remotely did good line art and lived in the area during that time, you got in that book. I know somebody who got a picture. A picture. <laughs> in they were there. They uh, there was a guy who. Unfortunately, I met him right as my store was closing. He came in to try to get me to carry his product line. I'm like, oh, dude, I'm sorry. We're on our way out. Uh, I pointed him to some other locations. But, yeah, he makes resin terrain, almost like the uh, the dungeon tiles. But he also makes, you know, like furniture and things that go in them. And he had a really sweet display there. And his stuff was, you know, reasonably affordable. It was made from nice resin. And he had a whole set painted there. One, um, one of the big things that's been making an appearance at every con I've been to in the past couple of years are 3D printers. Mm-hmm. And generally, you can get really low-cost uh, bling for your games. For instance, uh, last year, for $5, I was able to pick up two cases for the components of Pandemic. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. Those and, were handy. Yeah. They are handy, aren't they? Yes. I mean, it's just a simple little thing. It's a $5 3D printed case, but it's specifically made for the pandemic components. It helps you keep everything nice and organized. Uh, we use them every time that we play pandemic and it's fantastic. You put these cases out, it cuts down on your setup time and it keeps everything nice and tidy. We've talked about it before. We talked about it last episode because I had it then, but yeah, the Total Party Kill handbook, the guy yeah. who wrote it was yeah. there. Never even crossed my radar. And I know I was looking at Kickstarter when that was around, but yeah, no, that book was great. And and, you know, being there, I actually got to flip through it because, like like we said last time, the name is maybe not so good for what it actually is. But the book itself is really, really good. It's really a really well-designed 5th edition product. Yeah. I got a great system last year when I went, uh, that Fantasy system, which I'm that desperately was so in love with. so funny. That guy remembered you. Yeah, I know he did because Calvin's awesome. Yeah, he remembered you. And, he was, and when you couldn't come the next day when I had to take my daughter and said, he was so bummed that you, weren't, you wouldn't come. He... <laughs> he had his business partner there and, and he was like, oh, I want you to meet this guy. I mean, he was legitimately sad. And I'm like, wow, I didn't know you made that we, much of an impression. We, we need to have Kevin on the show. He, well, he, he's expanded people. the fantasy line. There, he was selling cards for other genres. Oh, and he, I wish I'd known. I would have totally given you money. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, right. I, I, I found that out the day you didn't show up because I, I, I didn't talk to him much because I figured I'd go up there with you and I, I would I would get the that feel. That not awesome weekend <laughs> for me. And what what's good is upstairs at the convention or just whatever, you get to play these really, really goofy events because, yes, you can play Adventures League. Yes, you can do all that stuff. And th- those things are fun, too. But the the Savage Worlds guys were, that were there were freaking killing it. Yeah. They were running the goofiest stuff. And that's the thing. You don't get the opportunity to run goofy stuff because when you're hanging around with your buddies or at the local gaming store, you might think to yourself, I really, really want to make a, you know, a C-list superhero DC versus C-list Marvel like brawl where we're on teams and we're fighting each other. No one's ever going to run that. <laughs> that's one of those things where you start thinking it out. And you're like, and eh, we'll just play a normal game instead. But they were running it and they, it was awesome. And they were running it so well. There was like a crowd watching it. Yeah. It was like a weird boxing match. I mean, there were, there were literally people standing around just like, like watching the play by play. It's like, Oh, he picked up a column and threw it. That's so awesome. And yeah, I mean, you just, you don't get the opportunity to play these weird events with these game systems that you maybe have never tried before. And, and you get to really see them push against the, the limits of what they were designed to do. Yeah. No, you, you get to see a lot more flexibility. You get to see a lot more themes that are outside of the standard because it's just the nature of the con, especially when you're dealing with content creators, because the content creators, they know what that system's capable of. So they're willing to flex its muscles a lot more than a player is going to, you know, and it's probably something they've done, you know, yeah. they, they've had some practice at it. So they, they know the components, they know how it plays really well. They can kind of give you pointers and, but yeah, it's, it's just so good. And, and the other thing is also, especially at bigger cons, you will get people that will sign up to run the most random old game that you can ever find. Yeah. I remember, I remember when I was a kid and this is a great thing too. I, my, my father begrudgingly took me to a, uh, to a role playing convention and I could see it weighing down on his soul. You know, and I felt I felt a little bad, but then then I got this weird because my my dad's a pretty stoic guy. I got this weird insight into his like his old teenage life because while we're at the con, uh, he was looking over the schedule and, and 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 he was bored out of his mind. That that man was a trooper, and they were playing diplomacy there. They were they were going to do a, a long old school diplomacy, old school diplomacy, also known as how to hate your friends, in right? Two hours or less. But then again, you're at a con; it's the perfect place to hate your friends because oh, yeah, you're, you're just meeting these people. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was just going to say even better is how to hate strangers. Yeah, yeah. And man, his face lit up, and I got to see like my teenage father come out of like time and space. You know, oh, like that's like cool. like him just like. Just like being all like, and I'm, I'm like, oh my god, my dad was such a total geek, and 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 now he's like this respectable adult, 
and he's just been my dad but i got to see like it, it's like back to the future i got to hang out with teenage version <laughs> of my dad and and wonder would we be friends and it was really strange it was really strange seeing him like you know because i would come up and i would touch base with him as things were going on and 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 he was just like yeah you know I, i've been hanging out with these guys but i'm thinking about messing them over because this other guy's talking to me and, and it was like, I was like <laughs> wow dad wow and, and apparently uh he he got he got he got cut out about halfway through the game because he, he was playing too many sides but yeah it was you know, I mean, that's just the only thing that could happen, you know, and, and that's why you should just go to these things because you get to do just random stuff comes up and that's awesome. But now let's just talk about some general con knowledge, especially for folks who might not have been uh, to a con previously or are thinking about going to their first con soon. OK, so the first one I would say, especially for introvert nerds like us, the thought is I will go to the convention and I will just watch. Don't do that. Just sign up. Yep. I made that mistake. People told me that. The War Machine people told me that. And I'm like, I don't want to sign up for the stream steamroller. It's just, it's too, and it's like, no. The worst case scenario, you're going to get paired up with somebody who's, you know, you're going to get paired up with Will Pagani or one of the big wigs in round one, and you will get wrecked. <laughs> and that's okay. And that's okay. Because now because you're, you're the, still going to learn. You're still going to learn. And now you're in the loser's bracket. And they're generally pretty nice when they're stomping your face in. And and then you just get to play people that are probably closer to your actual skill. And then all the, the Will Paganis and, and those people of the world they will move on but yeah if there's a tournament just sign up don't sit there and say i want to go in and watch pathfinder society if i'm vaguely curious about it just sign up yeah and 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 on that note of just signing up take a look at the schedule beforehand the schedule for these events is going to be published many many weeks before the event takes place and it's very important to look at that schedule beforehand because Generally speaking, these events are going to fill up reasonably quickly because there is very limited table space. So if you're even remotely interested in something, not just sign up, but sign up early and check early. Yeah, and and just and just do it. I mean, that would that would be the thing I would say. It's just it's it's don't go there to watch because you won't have fun. Just just do it. If something looks remotely interesting and there's room, just just plunk down and do it. All right. Now, a couple of additional con tips. Number 1, wear comfortable footwear you are going to be on your feet a lot it seems like you're going to be sitting there playing games but there's also a lot of roaming around and generally even for a small local con you're going to get sore your feet will be sore especially if you haven't worn the appropriate footwear so keep that in mind all right so number two bring cash yes because generally speaking these people even, are kind, even in 2017 and beyond. Generally speaking, you know, square or whatever goes down occasionally. And generally speaking, sometimes they will cover your sales tax because, you know, looking the other way or whatever. It's not my place to, <laughs> to judge. <laughs> but sometimes you don't have to, you know, pay sales tax and the credit card fees or whatever. Or they'll give you a break. You know, if you pay me cash, I will give you these two things where, you know, item two is normally $30, but I'll give it to you for 20 And we're not really talking about sales tax here. Yep. So... Yeah, just always bring cash. Also, uh, very frequently, um, the con food situation does not always operate off of credit cards, also, yeah. or or it has a minimum or whatever. Or you just see you, you don't want to venture to where the con food is, but you see a vending machine. And guess what? A lot of vending machines still to this day do not take credit cards. So, yeah. and, and con food in general. I mean, let's face it. This is this is number three. We are moving on to con food. <laughs> yeah. um, they, that's it's something to keep in mind. It, it is going to be pricey. You're eating out of convenience, and uh, you're not eating out of um, uh, value. So just keep keep that in mind. Budget your food. 
food because you're going to get hungry. These days are long. And if you're not willing to buy con food, although I would highly suggest it because generally speaking, the conventions have to put forth a certain amount of food that they are going to sell. And if they don't sell that, then they have to cover the difference with the, the food supplier. So keep that in mind. You are helping the con by eating there. But should you be in the position where that's just not feasible, that's okay. Uh, do your research for the area around the convention. See this is ro- this is rule number distance. four. And not, and not even walking distance, just easily drivable distance. Because if it's a, especially if it's a smaller local con, yeah, if it's a local con, you're going to have a car. You're going to have a car, or somebody will have a car. Yeah, and you'll you'll be able to hitch a ride somewhere. Or or sometimes people are awesome and saying, "I'm going down to Rudy's. Does anybody want anything?" Yes. and that's when you slide them your twenty <laughs> and say, "Yes, <laughs> this is what I want." So. Which goes back to bring cash. But yeah, no, uh, Rudy's, there was a Rudy's up just up the road at Chupacabra Con, and everybody was eating there. Everybody. Because yeah, a, lot of, a lot of the... For those of you out of uh, the state of Texas, Rudy's is really good barbecue for a, a reasonable price. Yeah, yeah. It's not the best barbecue I've ever no, had. No, no. But it's really good. But it's accessible. Yes. <laughs> and, it, it, and, it, and the quality is pretty, pretty there, pretty good. Here, here's rule number five. Hang out with the game designers. Because guess what? The game designers sometimes get hungry and sometimes don't want to eat the con food. And so sometimes you can say things like, I'm thinking about going to Rudy's. Do you want to come with and hang out with me, John Wick, or whoever you're you're hanging out with? And sometimes they will say yes, or sometimes they'll say, "Oh, I'm going there in an hour with the Delta Green guys, or whatever." Yeah, and then and then you know when they're going to be there, and maybe you can schmooze into their little conversation. But that's that's the trick. Like if you know the local restaurants or you know what's around, you can recommend things, and then you know suddenly you might be, "Yeah, why don't you come with us?" And then thus you are talking to you know the people who make the games, which is just fun. Well, and, and that that actually brings me to another point. Just remember, you're going to see people roaming around, and they want to talk to you because the the convention is a good opportunity for them to basically show their wares off, and so they're they're very interested in talking to you. Don't be don't be afraid of going to you know superstars in the industry and and uh, striking up a conversation because nine times out of ten they're going to be happy to have that with you, and it's it's really fun experience. I, I have to say, I've, I've been in a lot of different scenarios in life uh, around conventions and whatnot with a lot of different industries. And by far, this one is the, the, the board game slash RPG industry is by far the most approachable. People want to talk because you know what? At the end of the day, these designers are just like us. I mean, if you're taking the time to listen to a board game and RPG podcast, you have already achieved the same level of geek as these designers, and you guys will be able to hold an awesome conversation. You're going to have a lot of fun. Well, that's like what Rob Whelan said way, way back in episode eight, seven. I don't know. It'll be in the show notes. Internet's for hate, cons are for love. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is the absolute truest statement. Yeah, no, they're there to talk to you. They're there because they want to sell you stuff. And, you know, and if you're a generally approachable, nice person, they'll be like, yeah, why not? I can go have dinner with somebody, (laughs) you know? And and that's the thing. It, It happens. I, I that happened here War Games Con. I don't know five six years ago. I didn't go, but one of my customers did, and he was like, "Hey, do you want to go have dinner with the War Machine guys?" And I was like, "Heck yeah!" And I went, and I got to hang out with the the big wigs at War Machine at yeah. that time. And you know what? They're just people. They're just people. We sat around and talked about War Machine. We sat around and talked about kids, and then yeah, and you, you all have common interests. They're yeah, living a life just like you. Yeah, yeah. So it was it it it's just awesome. Like yeah, like. Just talk to these people and and offer the, food. Food is the great equalizer. We're all nerds, which means we're probably all a little bit bigger in the gut, thinking with the stomachs, <laughs> and probably all bearded. And, and know the local restaurants and offer to get food. And that brings me to my my final point. I think in terms of con do's and don'ts and and just con knowledge. 
enter a con in the most respectful manner possible. And it's not just a matter of respecting the convention or the other convention goers. Uh, you know, kind of read situations and respect the people that you're talking to. Read the table and respect the people that you're playing with. You know, they're giving you their time. They're giving you a, a lot of effort. Put your phone away during a game and make sure that you're paying attention. You know, be respectful of other players if you're losing and don't be, a, you know, don't be a jerk about it. Do you lose yeah, I'll, I'll tell you one thing. You want to know what happened? Well, actually, the privateer guys, they were talking about a guy that that was not behaving respectfully and and that's the thing they knew that guy's name and they recognized him because this was not the first time this had come up yeah don't be that guy don't be that guy don't get recognized for negative reasons yeah because you know if they see you coming you know just just having the the people who are running things generally not like you even if you enjoy the hobby they're in you're not gonna you're not gonna just get the same opportunities because if they see you coming they're gonna they're gonna try to make it so you're you're not gonna have a good time because they know you're going to bring a not good time with you we, we, we've all had experiences, uh, negative experiences at cons. I, I saw one guy blow up at another guy screaming about a loss at a con once. This was in front of hundreds of other people. It was embarrassing for him. It was embarrassing for everybody involved, including people that were just watching. Because, you know what? None of us wanted to see that. We were all there to have fun. And he was just completely missing the point of the con. So just don't be that person. Enter every relationship that you make at the con with with absolute respect for what's going on and one last thing i wanted to bring up just kind of as the thought enters my head as we finish up our con discussion here is keep in mind cons are generally going to be indoors and in pretty heavy air conditioning it i don't know about you robert but i have a tendency to get dried out during cons well yeah especially at an rpg con but i mean even board games too you're discussing terms yeah absolutely and um, I, and oddly, I I've been to a couple of wargaming conventions now for War Machine, and it, and leaning over tables for long periods oh, it's of time, it, it is exhausting. It's exhausting. Bring some Tylenol. Just kind of keep that in mind, and and just always bring yourself a bottle that you can take some water with, because you'll you'll be thanking yourself for it later. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of our, oh. our discussion on cons. Mm-hmm. But Robert wanted to give out a couple of shout outs real quick about some of the folks that he's met at Chupacabra Con. All right. Well, first off, I want to just say the the guy who wrote the Total Party Kill Handbook, uh, Stephen Gordon. He's a super cool guy. We we had a, a couple chats while I was there. And like I said, I've said before that that book of his is really, really cool. The two guys from Fantasy, Calvin Johns. Yeah, he's he's also a super cool. guy. By the way, if you get a chance to play a game of Fantasy, do it. <laughs> yes. Okay, and that's so, the thing. So you can you can roll up to dude's booth. And do it. This is not something you have to have a schedule for. So yeah, his demo is great too. By the way, yeah, he, he it, run, I watched he runs it. A class demo. Yeah, I w- that's why I was mad at you that you didn't go the second day because I watched one and I'm like, I'm going to do this tomorrow with Jonathan. It's going to be so much fun. <laughs> and then no, you had your bad weekend. I had to go there with my daughter, which was fun in its own way, but I didn't get to do energy. I ran into uh, Jamie Chambers, who's done a lot of stuff for uh, Mark Weiss Productions. And again, super nice guy. I ran into Michael Satron. He was a standout. He has done a lot of super heroic RPG writing, and he was there. He was there in a suit of all things, which was which was, I guess ju- you know dressed to impress. And uh, but he's written a lot for Champions for Savage Worlds. He had a lot. Of st- he was representing kind of his publishing company there, and it was pretty cool. He uh, he talked uh, my my writing partner into a book. He personally signed it for him, and he sat around and talked to us just about superhero stuff because uh, you know we had played mutants and masterminds and a couple other things. He was just very giving with his time. He was just we we just had a fun chat of just superhero hero stuff. And I I'm not terribly familiar with the Champions uh, role playing game, and here was the best part. We were talking about it, but we weren't talking about it in that way where your eyes start to glaze 
boys over because they're talking about just a little too much. No, we were having an actually good conversation, which was awesome. And, and and actually, this brings me to another quick point. Um, yeah, take a look at local cons because oftentimes local cons will have a specific connection. Like Chupacabra Con is huge with John Wick, and they're huge with the Savage Worlds folks. So it's kind of interesting because that there'll be a ton of demo events and a ton of people from those publications at this particular local con. So check with your local con because generally they'll have some kind of niche. I talked about this on the on the article that I wrote, but the Myth Horde RPG subscription box was actually pretty cool, and and their forthcoming dwarven uh dwarven box and and their cthulhu crate too which they said will come in a bag because they don't want the slime to get everywhere which i thought was cute but they, they're gonna have they're gonna have a, a a a terrain box which as as a you know miniature gamer guy and then they had timothy martin was there with new way designs and normally what they do is they make like painting racks and stuff but he actually had an arena rex board that he had made with laser cut wood and he was talking about making a blood bowl one and that that seems super cool. I want to see the Blood Bowl thing because you could have stands with little people in them. And I'm like, oh, I was thinking, I'm like, are you going to get that together soon? Because we're trying to get the Blood Bowl thing together. We, can, we take some sweet pictures. I was, I was talking to him for a little bit. And last but not least, the fine representatives of Uni Games were there. And I talked to a lady and I'm sorry, I forgot your business card at home. I'm so sorry. But we had a really cool chat about Tecamel, which was like the second RPG ever produced. I found out a whole bunch of strange stuff about that world. So basically, you know how Tolkien was a linguistics professor yeah. and made up a, a, a world basically so he could have an excuse to make up languages. Uh, this guy was like a, a geologist or something and he made up or no, he was a history guy and he made up <laughs> he made up a, a, a world just to kind of do his own thing with that. But I was talking to them, the dude's estate, they license out parcels of the Tecamel universe to different companies, and then you pretty much get to do what you want with it. And so that company that she, she was showing me, it's like they own this little this little square. And so they were making an atlas for it, and they were doing all this stuff for it, which, which sounded pretty cool. But this was the best part. They were getting ready to do their Kickstarter. It's their new one for their atlas, not just the, the game, which they, they or the, the main book for it, which is already out. And one of the stretch goals they're thinking about doing is they're thinking about taking pieces of art from the book and making it into an adult coloring book, which is one of the new things. The fun part I, I did was because they were intending to do that from the get-go, she was designing the art so that the, the piece of art they were making, like only about, you know, two-thirds of it or so, would get shown. But for the coloring book, they would they would obviously do the full piece. And so yeah. she was putting Easter eggs in the parts that she knew wasn't going to was going to get cut to put into the layout ah, of the book. That's awesome. And so, like, there's this cool picture of uh, there, there's this whole backstory about, you know, finding these 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 people who climb up these cliffs to get these hawk eggs because they're they're good falconers or whatever. Hawks are falcon. I don't I don't remember the bird. But um, in the RP that's going to go in the book, he's going to, like, be looking at this nest and he's got this, like, look on his face like, oh, wow, I found this nest. But if you do the adult coloring book, what you really see is there's like this tentacly monstery creature that eats these eggs that is on the other side of the nest is like get away from my eggs and that's what he's actually reacting to or you know there's another piece of art where there's this lady and she's caught some sort of lizard or something and she's like killed it and she's holding up her hands like yes I killed this thing and I'm going to eat it or whatever this lady's going to do with this thing that she's holding up and what she's not noticing and in the part that's just out of frame that won't be in the main book is there's like an alligator or something like right by her that's about to take a bite out of her and I'm like that is such a clever idea you know like getting art pieces of art for your, your upcoming book and just making them just a little bit bigger to do this other thing with them and putting these little Easter eggs in them. So I, I want to give a shout out to, to Uni Games and, and their, their Tecamel line. I thought that was a very clever idea. When that Kickstarter comes around, I'll, I'll definitely point it out just to say, hopefully we get to the stretch goal with this coloring book because that sounds badass. So I found them on the web, Robert. Mm-hmm. And I might have to give you a hard time. Oh, what do I do? Uh, it's Uni Games. Oh, Uni Games. Yeah, that was in the article I, we wrote. I'm a bad person. 
It happens to the best of us. <laughs> All right. Well, that brings us to the end of our deep dive for the episode, which is a little bit outside of the normal, but that's okay because it's con season. And, you know, I guess really what I want everybody to take away from this is go to a con. Yeah. A lot of people get kind of obsessed with Gen Con. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, which I can't is, go to a con because I can't go awesome. to Gen Con or Origins or one of the big ones. But no, 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 no. There's a lot of small ones. I know there's an, another big RPG con down in San Antonio. We've got War Games Con coming up in August. And there's, a, there's a huge number in Dallas and Houston here in Texas. Yeah. There's always stuff around yeah. there, there is always that's the point there's always Even something if around you live in a small town there are cons around like the flip the table guys are always talking about how they go to snow con every year and that's just a couple towns over from where they are yeah and rob whelan was talking and giving a lot of praise which i think we cut most of that out unfortunately to uh to game hole yeah there's a lot of local cons and you can meet people and you know that's a thing especially in the internet age, a lot of freelance writers that do this stuff just live randomly everywhere. And it's not hard for them to get to some of these local cons. Like Rob goes to game hole because it's in his hometown and he runs stuff there. And yeah, you know, you can, you can interact with people who make games and they run stuff and it's just awesome. Like, yeah, Rob was just at game hole con. He was just talking about stuff from it and he was talking about things he was running and it was cool. And it was cool seeing it pop up on the Facebook feed. You know, yeah. it was making me jelly that I couldn't go there. <laughs> All right. Well, that brings us to the end of the discussion, um, which also sadly brings us to the end of episode 20, which is still awesome, though, because look at that. We're 20. Once again, people, the con- the Patreon contest is over. We will be announcing a winner next episode, which will be fun. Also, we'll get back to board games next episode. We've been we've been off track a little bit for that. And I'm, I'm I, oddly for not being a board gaming person. I'm kind of interested to play a board game again. Yeah, we well, should be because, you know, it's a good way to be. As always, thank you to our wonderful patrons over at Patreon for helping us keep the lights on and make a great show. Thank um, you over at the Freebooters. I've been a little busy lately. I've been trying to keep up with those forums, but I, I, I've been really obsessed with uh, I've got a garage sale coming up, too, that I'm starting to, yeah, starting to eat up a lot I, of my time. I've been terrible, too. Uh, we, we've both had kind of a lot of personal stuff going on. So, um, you know, please excuse our silence if uh, you posted something. We will get there. I yeah, promise. yeah, I'm, 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 I'm making it a point to go back. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I apologize. That's my bad. And I got to go out of town, though. That was that was something to be <laughs> obsessed about. I got to go hang out with my wife. That was great. And as always, just thank you in general and hop online and, and join our conversation because that's the, the the best way to keep the that's the best way to keep the conversation rolling. Just you know, well, and when we get stuff, it, it just get, gives us a kick in the seat of our pants. It makes us like really excited, you know, because yes. it's not like we're just talking out into this into the cold, heartless depths of space that stares back at you and wears down your soul. You know, you, you get something back. It's like, ooh, it's like that, that scene in Contact with Jodie Foster. And she finally hears something. Is this, is this metaphor getting away from me, too? <laughs> yes, I think it's spiraling out of control. Because <laughs> I started with a Cthulhu thing, but now we're over in Contact Land. I don't even know what's happening now. Now I'm going to go into a machine is, that doesn't work and meet my father in space. It is definitely time to end this episode. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, Robert, any final thoughts? My space father. Okay, I'm done. I'm just diplomacy. cutting you off. I'm shutting off your mic. I'm muting your mic. You're muted. Don't mute my mic. You're I'll, muted. I'll just... You're out of control. You're spiraling out of control. Mute my mic. All right, folks. As always, testing thank you. one, two, three. <laughs> testing. I'll give you a big hint at what side of the desk the soundboard's on. Mama made me mash my M and M's. Don't. <laughs> I can't. I can't even do it anymore. Well, as always. Testing uh, one. (laughs) (laughs) We got to check. Now we got to do a sound check. Look, the light's red. Did you unplug yourself? I did accidentally. Well, now I can't hear. What'd you do? That's on your side. Or it's right here. Anyway. 
All right. Well, as always, that brings us to the end of a very. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even. I broke you. Done. All right. Thank I you will so break much. you. We will see you in two she weeks with like more fantastic. <laughs> Oh, my God, I'm going to shoot you with an animal tranquilizer. <laughs> uh, we, we will be back. Uh, I can't even speak. I've broken you. We will be back in two weeks. Yeah, Jonathan, I just can't we, believe it. We will be back in two weeks with another episode of the Forgot My Dice podcast. Jonathan, any final thoughts? <laughs> i got to get a bigger mute button. Uh, no. That's what you're supposed to say. <laughs> That's your line. Okay. That brings us to the end of the podcast. Jonathan. Party on. Party on, Robert. (laughs) I have broken you. Yes! The music you heard in this podcast was Intro by Elephiel and Retro Funk by Persephone, both used with permission via the Creative Commons license.